Right now, we are joined by the president of history, Scott Washington, with another round of History Matters on 97.9 The Kill, taking a look back at this week in history. As we do every Thursday morning, Scott's still in the process of getting back on his feet from COVID, so joining us now on the phone one more time. Good morning. How are you? Well, I am doing fine. I, You know, the, the thing about this whole process is like, well, we're all part of history when it comes to things we go through, and this is part of that process, meaning to make sure that I test negative now, and I'm just waiting on those test results, which is why out of an abundance of caution and out of respect for the good people of WCHL, I thought it would be better to do this by phone. So I really appreciate uh, your flexibility on this. But too, you're uh, but you're Aaron. feeling good, though. That's the that's Oh, the yeah, I'm feeling yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, coming back, they just had a backlog and it's like, okay, well, then I've, I've still got to uh, respect the people I know and have such great affection for and respect for, which are the staff of WCHL. We want you to stay on the air. I don't want to bring in anything, <laughs> <laughs> even inadvertently. Uh, but, you know, this is a such an interesting week uh, in history. And, of course, yeah, every time we turn on the news, we're hearing something else, and we're going, wow. And we'll be talking about that a little bit later, and we'll say, oh, my goodness, you know, this happened. Um, but this is a week where there are some interesting people that pop up, and I think that's as much as these big epic things that we're involved in, whether it's a pandemic or wars, uh, there are sometimes people that pop up uh, that make a difference. And one of these is both a, a, a sad note and just at least a, we at least, at least need to acknowledge it. Uh, August 1st, 1944 is when Anne Frank makes her last entry in her diary. Now, she got this diary about two years earlier. Uh, born in Germany, her family had moved to the Netherlands, to Holland, to Amsterdam. And then when uh, the Nazis uh, invaded Poland and then they invaded the Netherlands, um, and uh, then all the people who were Jewish had to go into hiding or they were taken to concentration camps. The, the Anne Frank's family went into hiding with some other people. There were eight of them all together. And uh, she starts writing in her diary. And I thought only of us in the pandemic, and it's certainly not the same uh, situation, but many people at home have found the same thing, that writing a journal entry, what I did today or how I got through this, uh, is something interesting that helped her process it. And, of course, her, her diary is what's discovered after um, uh, her and her companions there uh, and her family um, and, uh, on August 4th, 1944, are discovered and taken away to concentration camps. She goes to Auschwitz and then uh, dies of typhus in uh, Bergen-Belsen. The only surviving member was her father, mm -hmm. who comes back and the uh, one of the surviving people uh, that said, oh, yes, and goes into the hiding place and finds the diary. And that's how we know so much about Anne Frank and also the times and how the power of writing uh, can make a difference. So if people haven't done it, I suggest do this. It's a great way to uh, reflect just like Anne Frank did. And I think that's she's one of those gutsy, courageous girls who – uh, did so much as a teenager to change our, our understanding of not only what the Holocaust was about, but more importantly, uh, the power of uh, reflecting on the life experiences we go through. So there's one person that I want to lift up. Um, another one is, it happens on August 1st again, but this is in 1952. Now, 
we, we're all probably familiar with Rosa Parks. December 1st, 1955, uh, she refuses to get up on a bus in Montgomery to give her seat up for uh, white passengers and is therefore arrested and sets in motion um, a whole civil rights movement, including Martin Luther King, who's there as well uh, in Montgomery. And uh, But before this, August 1st, 1952, there's this other woman that we may not know enough about, but her name needs to be lifted up. Also a courageous uh, person of history, Sarah Keyes, K-E-Y-S. She's 23 years old. She's a private in the, uh, uh, the Women's Army Corps, and she's African-American. And she boards a bus from Trenton, New Jersey, to go to her home in Washington, North Carolina, not Washington, D.C., but there on the Outer Banks. And uh, they stop in Roanoke Rapids. And at this point, the driver tells um, Sarah Keyes to give up her seat for a white Marine man. And she refuses. And so everyone gets off the bus. And then policemen come and escort her to jail. And uh, here she is in her uniform, in her uniform. And the place is so filthy that she doesn't even want to sit down. And she stands in these one and a half inch heels all night long. So she's fined for disorderly conduct, uh, which, you know, doesn't seem like much, $25, but it would be the equivalent of over $200 today. And uh, then her, uh, you know, her anguish about this, her father says, you should file, file a complaint. She does uh, with the Interstate Commerce Commission. And three years later, they rule uh, that uh, prohibiting segregation on interstate buses. And six days after that decision is when Rosa Parks refuses to give up her seat. And that catalyzes this whole movement uh, of, uh, of, of opening up transportation. Now, unfortunately, the Interstate Commerce Commission did not really enforce their decision uh, until 1961. And by then, Freedom Riders had already gone into the South and had been attacked. Um, and so this is a really interesting person that we probably have not heard enough about. She goes on and has a successful career as a hairdresser in New York, does not really seek out any kind of publicity about this, uh, just wanted to live her life normally, just like in 1952 when she was tired and did not want to give up her seat to a white Marine man because she was an African-American woman. Well, that I was... think that's one... Isn't that great? Yeah. I mean, that's a really I mean, interesting story, and the and the local connection too, because that's the that was yeah. the the second time we had a, a fight that went up to the Supreme Court about segregation on public transportation. It happened in the '40s too, and then you had the the journey to reconciliation that went through Chapel Hill that we've talked about. Well, that's right, and you know, with Bayard Rustin, of course, uh, uh, who helps organize the March on Washington. He's African American, he's gay, and that provokes some tension within the civil rights movement, even though it's all the same. It's all civil rights. And, um, uh, you know, I think of uh, this week when we had James Baldwin has a, a birthday, August 2nd. He was born in 1924. Um, great, great American writer. He's African-American. He's gay. And he's an activist. And uh, I, I love one of his quotes, uh, ignorance aligned with power is a ferocious, the most ferocious enemy justice can have. And I think that says a lot about times we live in. Sometimes you find these quotes and you go, wow, that 
speaks pretty powerfully uh, even to these uh, these days. But yeah. you're absolutely right. Those those uh, ultimately. History has a local connection. We're just lucky to have a lot of resources right here locally that we can uh, draw on. This is a week, too, when Jesse Owens won his first gold medal in 1936. Uh, On August 3rd for the 100-yard dash, he would end up winning four gold trophies, uh, medals at this 1936 Olympics, which was held in Germany with Adolf Hitler uh, presiding and he had his uh, insane notions about racial superiority only to be dashed by this incredible person of Jesse Owens who uh, runs the distance. There's another person who I think is yeah, we probably have not heard a lot about um, that happens to have a birthday this week, and her name is, uh, let me see, it's Maggie. This ought to be our last one, Scott. Okay, good. Um, her name is Maggie uh Kuhn, uh, and she was born August 3rd, 1905, and uh, she we probably never heard about her except that she had a wonderful career working with the Presbyterian Church um, in uh, the larger issues of social justice, and then when she turned 65, she was forced to retire, and at that point, then she turns this on its head and said, okay, that's not right. Uh, because she said, I'm perfectly capable, but she was forced to retire. And so she begins to fight for human rights on a larger scale and founds the Great Panthers. And actually, this was not just about elder folks. It was about uh, age, and she also recruited youth because they were also subject to discrimination, like, oh, you're too young, you can't do this. And uh, uh, one of the most fascinating things is that this was in 1972, And because of her relentless uh, advocacy with the Great Panthers, they pushed back the mandatory retirement age from 65 to 70 uh, in 1978. And that meant that people could work longer. It changed our ideas about what it means to age. And maybe that's a number we need to look at again. So these are some courageous people of history Uh, that I think uh, we always like to lift up the heroes and heroines of history, um, and uh, that's why history matters. And that is History Matters for this week. Scott Washington, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron.